Dr. Travis, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Really excited to talk to you because you've got quite the fascinating background from the United States to Ecuador to being a school leader and superintendent and head of school for 15 years. You've got a, a young child. Um, you're about to move to a new school in New York. Just really excited to top, jump into the, the topic of the day and, and specifically around your book, um, which is rooted in trust. So why don't we start there and, and tell us what's what's going on in this day and age in this world with trust. Well, thanks, Tom. And I appreciate the opportunity to have the conversation as well. Well, if you look at a whole variety of uh, resources that monitor and study and assess trust levels, um, you know, there's a barometer that's published internationally, which uh, a few years ago now uh, was talking about how there is a trust crisis in the world. And in almost every, well, in fact, in every uh, industry and sector, um, trust levels continue to fall year after year after year. Uh, so that's the bad news. Um, the the good news is, though, and, and if I boil down you know, my, my doctoral work and what I talk about in the book, Trust Ed, The Bridge to School Improvement, uh, is it really comes down to this one major finding, and, and, it, and it goes like this. The number one indicator of school success is trusted leadership. And what's really interesting about that, uh, that finding, Tom, is it doesn't seem to matter how we define the term success. Because, you know, you can talk about uh, school being assessed for, for success in many different ways. But if we're talking about, say, student achievement levels, when we look at the schools where we see the highest levels of student achievement, we also find the highest levels of trusted leadership. When you look at teacher retention rates, when they are at their highest, it's in schools that have the highest levels of trusted leadership. When you look in um, measurements like um, discretionary energy, that's usually looking at like volunteerism uh, of community and staff. What you find is they have the highest levels of volunteerism, community support, when there are high levels of trusted leadership. Um, in the private school sector, uh, financially, those schools that are doing well with their you know, their, their donor development programs and just the bottom line, well, again, uh, it's, it's, it's a direct line to the trust level of leadership. So then it begs the question or questions, how do you assess it? How do you intentionally develop it? How do you protect it? And that's really what, what I talk about in the book. Uh, that's fantastic. It makes sense, right? It's the it's so foundational that it gives rise to all the other positive attributes and values and, and virtues. So what is what does trust make possible? Uh, you and I were talking before we hit record. Uh, it's like magic. And it really, really is. And I've seen this in my own uh, experience and have observed it in so many others. When we get this element of trust right, meaning there is a, a healthy and positive relationship between leadership and the staff, all kinds of good things just start happening. And it's because people feel uh, safe to fail, frankly. Um, it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to try this. And what do you think? Should we try that? And it's like, yes, go, go, go. When people work in an environment like that, they're motivated to dive in deeper, to try something fresh. And uh, so, again, when, when we get the, the trust issue uh, or factor in a healthy place, many good things happen, but the opposite is also sadly true. If And this is what so many school leaders and 
school improvement people really miss. If we don't take time to address this issue first, nothing else is going to improve long term. You might see a few blips of improvement in math initiatives or language arts, but it's not going to be sustainable if that trust element is not in place first. Let me share this one stat, Tom, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a really fascinating stat because it applies across industries. So doesn't matter who's listening, whether they're educators or not today. 70% of school initiatives fail. 70% of new startup businesses fail. 70% of corporate improvement initiatives fail. The majority of, of improvement work that's being done in the public sector and in the private sector, uh, in the education sector, it doesn't work. And so then when you drill and look at the 30%, okay, what, what's going right? Um, that Well, the failures are, are almost always um, tied to some level of failure of execution, right? So what is it about the execution that was failed? They did not take the time to ensure positive and healthy relationships were in place between leadership and those doing the work. And uh, and it's just a classic, you know, you and I, we've been in schools, we see it all the time. If you have a school administrator who's saying, okay, we're adopting new, this new form of assessment or we're adopting this new literacy practice, but they don't actually understand it and they don't actually own it. You know, everybody's gonna like, oh yeah, here's the latest thing. Here's another one, right? And, and so again, if we really want to be in that 30% where no, we're actually seeing real, positive, effective, authentic improvement and change to what we're doing, leadership's got to own it. They got to believe in it. They got to be experts in it. And they've got to be positive in their relationship with those that are working in a like-mindedness and a like-minded direction. Uh, Jim Collins, you know, you're, we use this illustration, you're, we're all on the same bus and we're all going the same direction, really critical. And if we don't get that right, we're really going to be frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the essence of exceptional cultures. You know, the, we're writing a, a book right now called The Great Engagement, and it's the subtitle is how CEOs and superintendents create exceptional cultures. Mm. Um, and it's, it really is built on this foundation of of trust because when you can create that trust then people feel empowered right they, they aspire to something they are they feel inspired but it's their own so it's their own aspiration that they're excited about and when you can combine that it really does create that that magic um in our case you know we we engage the clients for five months and typically in it and and i joked with my business partner when i started working with them that it took me about five years as a school superintendent to create that same um, feeling and I could have done it with five five months with his help. How do you how do you make it happen quickly? Uh, you don't. No. In fact, the studies have shown us, Tom, it takes about seven months to build foundational trust um, between um, um, a leader and and those to whom they're leading. Now, most people will extend to you a, a courtesy trust, um, but it's not really a a true. Oh no, I I trust this guy. I trust this gal. Uh, it, it does take time. Uh, one of the, the secrets, if you will, is it, healthy trust and, and healthy improvement takes time. And you've got to be okay with that. Um, trust is built over time and consistency. 
when I'm coaching others and even coaching myself, um, you know, one of the principles that I use, um, especially I, I think about, like I, I will have a, a school uh, leader <clears throat> will call me and explain whatever crisis they've gone through and whatever you know has broken trust. And this is usually why they call me. And I say, well, what do I do to repair it? And it's actually relatively simple. It's make a promise, keep it. Make a promise, keep it. And so our work together will be basically what promises can you make and fulfill in the next few weeks or and no more than out the next semester. And, and so that's the kind of, you know, coaching planning that we work on is what promises can we make and actually deliver on? Because this is how trust is built. Make a promise, keep it. Make a promise, keep it. Now, I think like in Covey's work, you know, the speed of trusting, the more that happens consistently, yes, then it does get faster. But uh, especially if there's been a level that's been broken in the past, no, it, it's going to take some time. This is not, we're going to turn this around in a month or, or three months. Um, no, this, this can take years to fix, uh, but typically you can see improvement, you know, within, within a year, and then you can really measure improvement within a, a year and a half and statistically be able to even assess, hmm, no, we're getting to a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up uh, Covey's book, Speed of Trust. It's a, it's a great one because it, to me, it really helped because we think of trust as like this one monolithic thing, you know, either I trust or I don't. Right. And he breaks it into those four different components. And so it really helps you to diagnose, okay, what, what, which one of these is missing? You know, do I, do I not trust the, the person's sort of core level integrity or do I not trust their intent? Do I not trust their, their capabilities or are they just not producing results so they're not able to to keep promises like you said um so that's that's covey's approach on trust what's what's yours how how do you how would you define trust in the first place and then how do you go about and i love this idea of promise and then make a promise and keep it what what other ideas do you have to share with the audience well, uh, in the book, I use an analogy of a suspension bridge. So, you know, trust is uh, and trusted leadership is really when all the elements of the bridge uh, are in place and to the extent that you can trust, you know, each each element of that. And and what we know with a trusted bridge structure is they've all got to be in place or, or you know, you, you're not going to drive out or walk over that bridge. But once trusted leadership is in place, then it is the it is the the path, if you will, the route to get people from where they are to where they desire to be. So you know what is the function of trust? It's movement. Uh, it's getting us from where we are, and you know that river that's running underneath that that might be you know all the potential conflicts of whatever it is you're facing, all the potential impediments to to change. Um, and and trusted bridge uh, is this idea of. Uh, you, you're giving a means by which people can get across those obstacles to get where they want to be, and it's clear where they're going. I mean, you think about it, you get on a bridge, no, your your lane should be pretty clear, right? So one of the things I talk about is trusted leaders. You know, they 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 are clear, they're organized. Uh, it's uh, there's clear markings and benchmarks. We we know where we're going. Uh, the the vision is clear. <laughs> So when we look at you know very specific things of what that looks like, um, in in my work we've identified, um, especially talking about school leadership, but it it is universal. 
that there are six components. Uh, the, the foundation of that bridge is beliefs, values. The substructure um, is really all about supporting and connecting everything to what we believe, so to the foundation. The bearings, those are the moving parts of a bridge. Well, in leadership here, what we're talking about is the ability to be flexible, but to be flexible, we've got to be involved. So trusted leadership isn't distant. It's it's you're, you're you're involved in the nuts and bolts of what you're doing, and you're flexible. The girders of the bridge, those cross beams. This is all about contextualization. This is all about the ability to adapt. Uh, you're probably familiar with the quote, you know, best practice must always be contextualized. One of the things that I've I've seen uh, with schools, especially you know, think about the large districts. Who are really well intended and in what they're trying to accomplish, but when they when they make a decision for the entire district of schools from the top down, it, it's really uh, it's a well intentioned error because what we've learned is every campus is unique. Every campus is unique. And so you have to contextualize whatever it is you're trying to do to that unique campus. And, and this is true in public, private sector, charter sector, every one of these campuses is unique. So we have to have the skill set of adapting, contextualizing to this unique faculty, this unique community, this unique facility, these unique resources. And that all looks, that's so important to levels of trust is really understanding who we serve and who we're working with and where we are. Just like a bridge is going to be different based on how wide is that river, you know, is this bridge being built on a curve, you know, et cetera. Superstructure of the bridge is all about culture. You know, what's what's the big thing that you see at a distance on a bridge? You know, it's it's the superstructure. Well, in leadership, the superstructure is all about intentional, positive, and healthy culture and relationships. And then uh, the deck of the bridge, which is kind of where I started, uh, you know, that part that we drive over, um, it looks simple, but engineers will tell you, actually, it's quite difficult. It's quite a lot of work goes into, um, you know, the materials of a deck and the, the pericity of the material to deal with the weather and all the, you know, the things doesn't create a whole bunch of potholes. But for the user, it should appear really simple. It's flat, it's smooth. This is my lane and this is where we're going. There you go. Those are the kind of the, the six major components of trusted school leadership. And then I, I use the analogy of, of the of the suspension cables as just all the, the best practices that have been identified. And here I we're, we're sitting on the shoulders of others who have gone before us, have done tremendous work in looking at school leadership research. I'm uh, thinking of like Bob Marzano and his team, uh, you know, they have identified, well, years ago, and then it's been reaffirmed in, in several major follow-up studies. We specifically know 21 behaviors of school leaders that is directly tied to student achievement levels. And so we can we can drill in and look at, okay, and then the work that I, I got involved in in my research and study was, okay, what are those 21 practices enhance and support levels of trust and um, so we do have a way to get right in look at the nitty-gritty and say well if this isn't happening you know but this is also what we can specifically change and implement contextualized to your school setting does that make sense yeah absolutely and and we could spend another two hours on unpacking all those six um and uh, the challenge with the 21 behaviors and Sort of the knowing versus doing gap that is significant. You know, we, especially in education world, we get this stuff intellectually. It's hard to bring to life. Um, so I'm curious, of the six, what do you find most often is missing? 
Well, so where we see trust um, really breaking down most frequently is between the foundation and the substructure, meaning the schools or school leaders are saying they believe or have these values uh, about learning or about the school or about students or the role of the teacher. But then the substructure, meaning they're not connecting and supporting what they say they believe to what they're actually doing. And uh, you know, so again, the classic is, you know, we say we believe that teachers are the number one factor in student engagement and student success levels. But then in how we operate the school, if we're not constantly saying to ourselves, how does this impact the teacher? How does this possibly support the teacher? If we're not constantly processing every decision through that question, then we're, we're not really practicing and living out what we say we believe. And what we often forget is the teachers are the school. It, it's not the building, it's not the curriculum, it's not the resources. The school is the teachers. That, that's the, 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 the human resource is, if you will, the product. Uh, you know, if we use a corporate mindset, and no, what's, what's our business? Our business is teachers, and therefore they must be um, valued at the highest level. And when we look at, you know, the international and even uh, national examples of where schools are thriving, you see this lived out where no, they, uh, teachers are highly valued, highly supported. Decisions of operations of the school are made around what is best for teachers. Some have criticized me, Tom, and saying, well, you're not very student-centered. Oh, yes, I am when we're talking about what does instruction look like? What do the curricular options need to look like for our kids today? No, that, that's all going to be student-centered. We, we have to be thinking through, uh, you know, what does this look like in what we're delivering uh, for students to succeed? But when we're talking about the organization of the, of the school and the operation of the school, now, number one question always has to be, how does this benefit teachers? Because when teachers are well-supported, they thrive and get engaged. And when they thrive and get engaged, we know that has a direct correlation to student engagement levels. So you want high levels of student engagement, you got to start with teacher levels of engagement first. And that's why, you know, I, my premise is you build school improvement through the development of school leadership. Because when, when you've got positive leaders who are supporting their teachers and that reciprocal trusted relationship is going on, again, wonderful things start happening with students. And there's a direct correlation. Well, it makes makes sense too, right? If, if the teacher's job primarily is to grow students, to help them improve, help them to learn new things, new possibilities, grow in confidence, um, encourage, then if we want the teachers to do that for the students, then as leaders of schools, we need to do that for the teachers. We need to be the, the ones that are growing their capabilities. We always, we always say that there is no such thing as the organization. There is no such thing as the school district. It's just a name, a legal name that we slap on a bunch of people. Yeah. That if you wanna grow and improve an organization, there's no organization to grow and improve. You have to grow and improve the people, including yourself first and foremost as the, superintendent or as the headmaster or as the CEO, um, starting with yourself, you know, lead by example, right? Um, so what what advice do you have for, you know, aspiring school superintendents out there that, that maybe are a school teacher right now, or maybe uh, doing a different administrative job? You know, where should they be focusing their energy and effort? 
Well, actually, we'll springboard off of your um, previous um, comment about you know developing teachers. I I actually uh, am a large proponent of no. Our job as leaders is to create an environment for that to happen. You know, just the same way I, I would uh, train a teacher to say the most effective level of teaching is guided self-discovery by the student. Right now, there is a place for direct instruction too. I, I don't totally throw that out, but what we know is where we see the highest levels of learning for students. It's when they discover the learning themselves. So, in the same way, when I'm working with faculty and staff, it's okay. Am I creating an environment, an opportunity for them to discover and develop? And 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 that actually starts. You know, really in the HR process, you know, are you hiring the right people? Uh, but then are you providing a vehicle? Because in the end, you really can't change anyone, right? All change has to happen internally. And so what you can do as a leader is, okay, how do I work to create uh, an environment in which people, they, they feel trusted, they they feel free and, and able to, um, you know, pursue their passions and, and develop. And, and if you have an individual that, that that just isn't where they want to be, well, that's, that's another conversation. Um, the aspiring leader, um, I, I would focus first on uh, a lot of self-reflection. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a number of assessment tools. We developed one through a company called SchoolRight. Um, and I can share that link with you. There's actually a free self-assessment that you can do and look, okay, what, 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 where do I see myself in relation to these, these six components of trusted school leadership? But there's other tools. I know Collins has got a tool, Horse Soccer, um, the trusted leadership group out of uh, Minneapolis. Uh, I think they have a self-assessment tool. I would start by, you know, just pull out the mirror and, and speak to others. And, and hopefully you got some good friends. Uh, who will speak truth and, and make sure um, yeah, you, you know yourself. Uh, one of the sections of the book, I, I talk about just this real critical um, element of, of being able to be uh, self-reflective. Mindfulness gets a lot of conversations today, right? That's a, kind of a hot uh, topic. But in that sense of mindfulness means I'm aware of myself, both my weaknesses and my strengths. This is a healthy place to start. One of the really difficult things that um, I have to sometimes navigate is I'll, I'll have a, a uh, say a school board member uh, will call me and say, "Hey, we we want you to do a trust assessment with our staff and with our you know our superintendent, our principals." And I'll say, "Well, the, do they want it? Uh -huh. Because if they don't want it, now there's no point in us doing this." Right. There, there has to be this self-awareness that, oh, we've got an issue. If they don't recognize there's an issue, uh, there's not really any way I can help them. You know what I'm saying, Tom? It's like we got to start with self-reflection, self-awareness, recognize our needs. We all need to grow in some way and own it. That yeah. you know, We're not perfect beings. We all have problems and, and shortcomings. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more that, uh, you know, coaching is only coaching if it's asked for. And That's right. Um, now the question is that the trick is, you know, how do you get them to ask for it? That's a different question. And that is a measure of effective leadership, in my opinion, because uh, we've got to be able to help people, whether it's through leadership and inspiration, through more effective management and, and having high bars that we're setting and 
that we're all agreeing to, or whether it's through some form of coaching, you know, how do we get people to, to see that, that it's, it's needed? Um, Cause that is the, that's a measure of effective, uh, of effective leadership for that school, for that school board member. Uh, that's their first job, right? Is to get the, get the team to see that this might be helpful to you and see if they can get that breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. And when they do though, then, then it all changes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. It's good, you know, it's like I, I do a lot of relating back to the classroom, maybe because I came out of the classroom. I, I see so much about good instruction that has a direct tie to good uh, management or good school leadership. You know, when, when students understand the why of the learning, they get engaged. Uh, you know, you think about uh, you know, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. Uh, it's a, a business classic now, but it really applies well for what we do with schools or even teachers in the classroom. When, when kids understand the why, uh, often we talk about, you know, authentic literacy is all about tying um, the, the learning and the knowledge to what matters to the student. It becomes authentic. And when they get it, Ooh, you can't stop them from learning, right? Then it's like, oh, they're learning machines um, because they get it and they find their own motivation. Again, I, I, you, you can't change others, but what you can change is the environment and, and the opportunities and, and position um, what the, the hoped growth is all about. And, and when there's a compelling why, no, it, it makes a huge difference, but you got to get there first. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I, you're taking me back to my my days of teaching um, economics. And I'll, I'll never forget, there was one student in particular who, who couldn't understand why I was giving him so much feedback. Um, and I, I think he finally got that I because I cared about him, right? Because I wanted him to to take more time and to slow down and to write uh, more coherently because he was going to college in a couple of years and he needed to 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 up his game and once he once he started to see oh okay that's why he's doing this he's not being critical he's just trying to be helpful he started to get that get that why um i'm sure i could have done it more effectively i was young and um learning myself at the time but uh, uh it's how we all learn right is through the good and the, the the good stuff and the mistakes um well let's let's wrap up with um I know you, 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 uh, your book, obviously you'd recommend, and we'll put a link to that down below. Um, and I know that uh, Forbes picked up, I think a few of your articles. And so we'll try to include those as well for folks that are interested, but what, what other book would you recommend to people out there that you think is, uh, worth reading? Well, there's just so many, um, um, the, the Trust Edge uh, by David Horsager. That was a bestseller on the Wall Street Journal probably, you know, 10 years ago now, uh, but it's still great read. Uh, again, it was, it was written for the business sector, but I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, David. And uh, um, there's a lot that I believe that as school leaders, we can glean um, from, um, from his work. He, he breaks trust down into eight pillars, but really great examples in there and some real great takeaways. Um, he developed something called the 90-day the quick plan. And uh, again, that really aligns well with what I've seen is when we do, um, you know, make a promise, keep it uh, philosophy of what can we see, you know, uh, continuous small elements of growth really, you know, we'll, we'll get you there, but Horsager's book is still a, a great read. 
um, Jim Collins, uh, good to great, classic, but every every business and school leader, uh, I think, needs to benefit from from his work. Um, I, I mentioned Marzano, you know, uh, Bob Marzano, his team have come up with just some some wonderful uh, materials and, and research to support what does quality education uh, look like and look like to prepare kids for their future. Uh, not our past uh, is a phrase I like to use a lot because uh, so much is changing so rapidly. We have, you know, when people look at education as, oh, maybe there's, and there's an element of truth to this, obviously, that, you know, that education is all about preparing uh, students for their economic future. Yeah, that's, that's a part of what we do, but we have no clue what the employment scheme is going to look like even probably in five years, let alone 10 years, right? I mean, we have jobs and industries today that none of us conceived of even just a few short years ago. So it becomes all the more important to look at the key and important um, dispositions and um, characteristics that we should be developing in students and not worry so much about the content. Uh, Tony Wagner, there's another, uh, you know, most likely to, to succeed. What a, what a, what a great book. <laughs> and uh, you got it right there. Yeah. You know, so I'm a big fan of, of Tony's and um, would also encourage uh, aspiring leaders. Now you, you need to be reading, listening, Tony Wagner, uh, Sir Ken, uh, Ken Richardson, of course, uh, the late Sir Ken. Um, you got to be listening to, you know, his classic TED Talks are still relevant for what we're working on today, still true, if not even more true than ever before. And, uh, and then I guess the other thing is make sure you are um, being mentored and that you are mentoring others. Uh, you know, one of the, the real keys to leadership success is that you're always pouring into somebody else because we know as the teacher, you always benefit more from those whom you're teaching and also just continue to be mentored. And if you don't have a mentor, find one, seek one out and, uh, and keep that going. And, you know, here I'm, I'm years old and uh, still, uh, you know, seek mentorship and, and being mentored by others. Um, it, it's all about um, working in relationship and gleaning from those relationships in ways that we can serve others. Yeah, especially in education, right? If we want to be the ultimate models of learning, we have to be continuously learning ourselves. Um, continuously. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you again, doctor. It's been great talking to you and um, have a blessed rest of your week. My pleasure. Thank you so much.